was thinking today about how, how many times in the last few months as we've discussed the book of James and faith and then the fruit of the Spirit, we've, we've made mention or I've made mention of uh, pretending to be something. You know, remember we, one of the illustrations was uh, taping fruit onto a tree, taping apples onto a pear tree, right? Or the, the man who wanted to borrow my clerical collar for, uh, for Halloween. I've had several of these Things are not always as they appear. The, the international students want, see me playing basketball in the rec center with an OU jersey on. I'm not on the team. So, so Halloween's coming up, so you got to be thinking about what you want to be for Halloween. But there are much more disastrous ones. Let me tell you one of my favorite ones. Favorite as in, whoa. Uh, this American Life, are we familiar with This American Life? Yeah, a podcast. I'll send the link to this episode. One of my favorite episodes is called Switched at Birth. Okay, so you got to imagine like 1960s-ish, two women in a fairly small town go in to the hospital at the exact same time and have babies at the exact same almost moment. They're almost exactly the same weight. And they go home with the wrong ones and never switch them back. So these two girls get raised in the wrong house. Now, like, like, is it the wrong house? I don't know. But one of the moms figured it out, like, when the girls were, like, six and didn't ever say anything. And so these girls, one of them was especially intuitive, and she, she said, she never voiced this out loud because it's so crazy. She would often think to herself, am I in the right family? Like, I'm not like my siblings. And she just, like, what in the world? That's, and then she found out what it was, that was true. And it just blew her mind, of course. And, of course, she couldn't stop thinking about what would I be like if I had grown up in, the, in that family? And what would she be like if she grew up in... That's a little scary and creepy, right? But how about this one? Now, this one's not true. This is a book I read called Perfect Peace. So now think like 1920s or 30s, a small town, rural Alabama, black family. And this wife has seven boys in a row. And she's pregnant and she cannot bear the thought to have another boy. She does not want one. So she goes into labor in the house. Her sister and her are delivering this baby and it's a boy. So she makes a very tragic decision. She decides to raise the child as a girl. Just, and she walks out and says, I have a baby girl. And so she teaches her daughter that what she looks like is what a girl looks like. And, and so the, the, the boy who thinks he's a girl has never seen you know, anyone else do boy things, so he just figures he is one. So, guess what? It doesn't work out so good. Hmm, pretending to be something you aren't. James is telling us about that our faith and our works go together. This is really the, the most sort of famous passage in James, sort of the heart of the matter of James. And he's, he's really pressing 
does your faith affect your life? Or would you be basically doing the same stuff whether you're a Christian or not? Are there times when you'll bump into something that you would naturally do and you don't? Or, or things that you would do that you don't or wouldn't do that you do? Or, or is all this just a facade of your, just, you're just being normal? And so, so in today's passage, we're going to point fingers at ourselves, not at anyone else. Just our, examining our own hearts, examining our own lives, not in any sort of guilt trip, sort of like taking an x-ray and seeing where we're at getting a checkup. So we're just going to talk about two things, dead faith and alive faith. That's what this passage is about. Super fancy subpoints. So dead faith first. So this would be you see a Facebook messenger, somebody selling something really cheap, you know, Apple product, you go to the McDonald's parking lot, you give them the hundred bucks, you take it home, and it's a block of wood in the box. Ah, maybe I should have looked. The box looked so great. It was the right weight. You get it home and you've been, you've been duped. So this is, uh, you know, catfishing. Now we all know what catfishing is. Uh, Manti Teo, remember 2013? He was a Notre Dame linebacker. And right before the bowl games, uh, his grandmother died and his girlfriend died. It was like in the same week. And it was tragic, but, but he had never met her face to face. They were online girlfriend, and then about a month later, a report came out that, that he didn't have, he thought he had a girlfriend, but it was really a man pretending to be a woman, and she realized she got in too deep, or he realized he got in too deep, and so died, and uh, so it's just like a whole weird thing, but it happens. How does it happen in Christianity? Empty confession empty confession. My brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? No. Saying you have faith is not saving faith. It's one of Satan's greatest tricks. It's, it, saying you have faith is not Jesus in you. It's not, it's not belief. So, Faith is not praying a prayer. It's not going to church. It's not writing the date of your conversion in your Bible. It's not walking an aisle or signing a card or taking a confirmation class. It's not singing songs or acting good. That's not faith. Those things can come out and be connected to faith. But in 2017... Citizens of the United States of America said they were Christian, 65 to 75% would have marked the Christian box under religion. 65 to 75%. Think about 230 to 250 million people. That's a lot. Can't be all, I don't think. But I'm looking at myself. Empty confession. False compassion is another way to have dead faith. This is James is really pushing on to how do we treat people? When we encounter people in need, what do we do? What comes out of us? How does our faith make us respond? Are we cold and callous? 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself that does not have works is dead. Our souls and our bodies are connected, and other people's souls and bodies are connected. There's this thing, Presbyterians sort of are a little bit known for this. You may not hear it all the time, but in the, you know, really 1860s, or 1860s, yeah, there's a a doctrine, made-up doctrine in my opinion, called the spirituality of the church. You may hear it, you may come across it. And this is a way to teach people that, that what I'm doing, my, my practice, is, is actually biblical. But spirituality church would say the church's job is only teach the word, share the sacraments. There's really nothing else that the church has to do. Do you, do you see the problem with that? We, we don't really, as the church, need to care for the poor or work on racial reconciliation, or be involved in in justice matters. That's for individual people, but not actually the church. Ooh. Certainly we are to teach the Word and share the sacraments and worship together, but that's not all we do. See, our bodies and souls are are connected to each other now. Our faith and our works are connected to each each other now, in here. And so this false compassion is very destructive. You know, Spurgeon has, has said, if you want to give someone a track, wrap it around a sandwich. And so, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go on trips around the world, like some of you have been, and some of you are going to, and, and help people. I distinctly remember on one trip, I went to Cape Town, beautiful, oh, it's so beautiful down there, and after church, we went into the slums and took people food. Right there in the heart of the city, right by the airport, right you can see the beautiful parts. And these people are living in squalor. But that's true in our own city and state, right? It's not just out there. It's here. Do we encounter it? Are we going on paths where we would see what is really happening, or are we always going this nice, pretty way, with nice, pretty people, but, but really, are there members in our church that are poorly dressed and eating not enough food? We made a, a commitment at City President that that would never happen. We would, we would never let any of our people go hungry. But you know, it presupposes there would be some people like that. In James's context, he's like, we should have to do this. So it's not theoretical. Our active faith is this be, do, do, be, do, be, do, Right? It goes back and forth. It, 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 it goes together. Uh, it's not like Willie Nelson's song, You're Always on My Mind. You know, I didn't do this, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do this, but you're always on my mind. Big whoop. How about you show me what, what you want to do? 
we've said this before, we're known by our, our love. Actually helping, seeing, caring, helping like Jesus, but dead faith doesn't care. It doesn't ask. It doesn't stop. You're too busy, too judgmental, ignoring, belittling, and we give impersonal solutions. Be warm, be filled. Good luck with all that. These are scary. Okay, another way we can be, have dead faith is shallow conviction. This one is a little scarier even. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So this one is the de demonic. James, whoa! And, and he is saying that these are orthodox little devils. And I mean that literally. And I'm going to pause here. We started a, a list of things you're not supposed to say, right? I'm going to add to the list today. I think we're at, um, it's the principle of the thing. And we're at, I would never do that. And we're at, my God would never do that. I think that's, I don't think we have another one. Could be wrong. So number four, this one is not a do not say. It's please say it correctly, literally. The word literally is not an underlining for the thing that you think. It's not like italics of the thing. Like when you say that literally blew my mind, why would you say that? <laughs> I, I will stop the conversation like, really? And, and uh, Victoria's on, she, you hear it all the time. Just listen, you hear it all the time. And so um, it drives me crazy. And, you know, my wife, we're both editors. And so sometimes it'll, it'll happen. And then I'll think of it. And then she, she, I'll, be, I'll be washing dishes and say, what are, what are you doing? I said, I'm literally washing dishes. <laughs> so I will use it correctly in the dumbest reason. Um, and this also made me think. This is, these are just timeouts. This is all free stuff, right? Uh, you know the little spices that are, are plants that you put on food? What are those called? Her herbs, right? What do you call an animal that only eats plants? Well, I call it a herbivore. I think everyone calls it a herbivore. What's the deal with that? Okay, back to the text. Uh, demons. Now, demons are interesting if you think about it. So the, they're monotheists. They believe in the Trinity. They believe in Jesus Christ. And they believe that he's the Son of God. Come to save sinners and redeem them. They, they believe all of his miracles. They believe he died. They believe he rose again. They believe he rose again to atone for the sins of people. They believe in the Scriptures. They believe in the church. Think about that. That's a pretty good list. They're very knowledgeable beings. But that's not faith, is it? Knowing about is not faith. They are certainly not changed by Jesus. But they know enough to shudder. So they're, they're emotionally involved. That's a, that's a big reaction, 
maybe more than some of us. And that makes me literally shudder as well. It's scary. I'm going to throw in one more way dead faith can come out. It's distracted Christianity. Now, we all, we all have this at, at sometimes, but it's like a not engaged with the thing going on. Always something else is taking my attention. It, I was at a, a baseball game recently, and there was a little kid, and, and it, you know, it was like normal baseball game sounds. It wasn't like blaring no, super. She was freaking out. Anytime she heard anything, she was like, oh! So she missed it, and she also made all of us miss it. People started moving, you know, I was like, oh, see ya. We're focused on something else, distracted. Even in getting, sometimes we distract ourselves by just setting ourselves against it. I'm just going to be against this no matter what. When uh, Julie and I had tickets to stomp, and I don't remember why, but we were just a teeny bit late, and I was trying to hustle up and Get, get up there with her, and we missed it by 10 seconds. They closed the door. There's someone, you know, behind the closed door, and I'm like, where it just, I mean, I can hear the music just starting right now. And she's like, mm, you got to wait 10 minutes. 10 minutes. <clears throat> so I wait with a worse expression than this, right? And I'm looking at this lady going, I can't believe you're not letting me in. I mean, I'm not going to go into that. Yeah, I'm just going to walk in there. So I'm, I'm so mad. And so we sit down finally. And, and I'm thinking to myself, all the things I could have done, all the things I should have said, how I maybe want my money back, you know, and I'm just mad. And so Julie, after like three minutes, turns over and says, get over it. <laughs> And so I sort of did have a choice to make because I'm missing, like, I wanted to get in there so much and now I'm so emotionally invested in the thing that just happened. I'm missing the thing that's happening. And I had a choice. Like, am I going to get over it or am I just going to be mad for the rest of my life about Stomp? When I uh, taught college students, one time I was at a conference and I was in charge of uh, teaching them about the Bible and reading the Bible and all these things, and my first, at 30 minutes, my first 10, 15 minutes, I brought TVs, and I set them up and turned them up really loud, and I talked about this loud, about how to study the Bible and why it's so important. Well, yeah, we, we can't hear if we're, we're so distracted by all these things externally and internally. How would you hear the Holy Spirit talking to you? Distracted, false compassion, empty confessions, shallow conviction. Well, that doesn't paint a real awesome picture. So what would alive faith look like? James doesn't leave us there. Amen. He gives a solution. He gives release. He, he says there's good news to bear on this obvious problem. And the church needs these words. Along with the word of God and the signs and symbols of God, to not blow him off. So, so what does a live faith look like? Well, first of all, it's alive toward people. You, you want to have faith that works? James says, it's impossible. You cannot do it. 
You want to treat people that way or ignore people like that? You want to sit there and judge people all day long wearing your Jesus jersey? Really, when we do that, what we're saying, and this is very common, and you, I mean, you have to confess that this is true, right? It's not just like, don't do that anymore. I do this. You are at the center of the universe. Everything revolves around me. Now, that's true for me. But we all think that about ourselves. You are here to serve me. You are here to love me and care for me and bolster my confidence. So when I think that and you think that, we're like super colliders making these big explosions. But, but, but James is telling us if Jesus is at the center, right? If he's at the center of our lives, if our lives revolve around him, he's the son, then we're not at risk with each other because we both have the same thing at the center. That's a very different way to move about the world. It's a very way, different way to bump into people because not everything is at, at risk every moment. The center of the universe is not at risk if I don't get what I want. And so because of that, we can serve each other and give to each other and care for each other, love each other, and be served. One way to be at the center of the universe is no one gets to touch you. That's a a different strategy. Like, I'm protecting this, and I never want help. Mommy, I can do it myself. You're not just four. You're 40 saying that. So you can let people care for you and help you. So, so we're really then not talking about skill sets or being extroverted or introverted or good at it or bad at it. We're talking about a culture that cultivates a practice of caring for others, of hospitality. That means showing up and asking questions and taking time and responding, rocking a baby, helping an upset child, helping an upset person, a mom. Faith is alive. Faith works. So ultimately, I mean, the real kicker on all this is it's alive towards God, of course. That's what faith is. Now, so we're not all the same in our, the way we've come to Christ or the timeline when we came to Christ. But, but really, in the true sense of the word, we're all charismatic. We're all charismatic Christians because we have that in us. It comes out of us. Love. You can be re- reserved and be charismatic. But, but it's not, you know, that old joke, why don't you ever tell me you love me? Well, I told you on our wedding day. It's still true. I don't have to say it anymore. That's not a live, charismatic faith, right? Think about it this way. Um, IQ, EQ. Now, IQs are controversial, but we sort of all understand that you're, so they say, it's fixed, right? And then you, you do with what you've got up or down of what you know. But EQ, emotional 
quotient, emotional intelligence, is, is not fixed. This is what you can grow in emotional intelligence. It's just simply character and patience and, uh, you know, nonverbal skills and sort of being self-aware on how you express yourself and how other people express themselves or a stick-to-itiveness quality that you develop because it's a muscle, this grit. You, you've seen hard work and you've gone through it, so then it's easier the next time because you sort of develop this character. See? So, so I think, you know, Christianity has both. There are creeds and there are confessions and there is theology and there is information. There are facts. But you have to enter it Embrace it. This is what we've talked about before, you know, that, that reading about or knowing about something is not the same as doing that thing. Knowing about marriage is not the same as being married. Um, knowing how babies are born, not the same thing as having one. Interestingly enough, I've seen three born, and... Uh, because my first was born three months early. She was two pounds, so that just, that happened offset for me. So I've seen uh, three, and my wife's seen zero. So who knows more? <laughs> I tell her, I have seen three babies. You, you could see three, but she refused. She won't watch it, and, and no way. If never coming on, never going to see, touch her eyes. We'll see if that happens, but. I have this author that I really like, Ken Bailey. I've read all his books, and then he came like an hour away from Oklahoma, and I got to go see and be with him and talk to him. It was so much better in person. Knowing about helping is not the same as helping. James tells us that faith without works is worthless. It's not faith. It's sort of like philosophy, Aristotelian or Platonic, God is a concept, and I hover around it. I know these things. I, I, I can quote the catechism. I can nod my head. I can take the test. But God is not a person to me. So, so a live faith is the joining of those things. Walking with God who is in you, believing and doing. And James gives us two examples of people just like that in the Bible. Abraham and Rahab. They're both in the, the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11. Abraham, big time. Big time. When I was a youth pastor during college, one of our little tricks uh, would be, we would sing Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. And then, like, there's this weird, like, hokey pokey part, you know, that goes to we raise our right arm. I don't know why. I don't get it. But so we would do all the normal ones, and then we would start doing a whole bunch more. We, we would just make the song never end. Like, and, and then we run around the sanctuary, you know, and do all the things at the same time. And we just try to wear the kids out so they just never wanted to sing that song ever again. Would you like being in my youth group? Uh, Father Abraham, God showed up in his life out of the blue. In Genesis 12, 
There is no preceding thing. It's not like Abraham sitting there like, I wonder who's, who created all this. He's not like reading uh, tablets or anything. He's like zero interest. And God goes, wham! God gives him these promises. I mean, just imagine. And in verse 4, it says, and Abraham went. See, that's, that is following what you know. It's trusting in something that you don't understand all the way. Mother Sarah Genesis, or Hebrews 11 goes through it. He gets the most time devoted to him as an example of faith because faith mattered and, and worked. It was real. He did it. And he was saved. God counted it to it as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. And then, and then Rahab, way more obscure. She is hardly in the, the narrative at all. This is in, in Joshua, much later. And, you know, this is when the, the spies are coming out to scope out what's going to happen. There's like super huge dramatic thing. And, and they come in and they are in trouble because they're being chased and they want to be found. And Rahab sends the, the posse the wrong way so the spies can get back. Rahab didn't know God. She also didn't have a great job. It was counted to her as righteousness, too, because faith mattered to her, too. It affected her life. She acted on something. Now, as a mm, little test, there's another part in the Bible where somebody goes the other way based on knowledge. The wise men, right? So these are two like dangerous situations where God intervenes and saves people. Being alive to God then is, is somehow understanding and seeing um, God's glory. You know, that's his weightiness. His, his glory is involved with his creation and his, the holiness of God, but also his beauty. So there's a a weightiness to it and a beautifulness to it. So when you, when you see his work or you see him working in your life or someone else's life, you understand how impossible and important that is and you, you're emotionally moved by it. Whatever that looks like for you. I'm not saying you got to be a crybaby like me, but you're enthralled in, in, the, in the whole scope of this thing, even though you're seeing a little part of it. And then what's so cool about this passage is Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. That doesn't happen very often in the Bible. You know, it's interesting because in some ways it seems, you know, we get called more cooler stuff than that, adopted by God, the bride of Christ, the temple of God. But this one seems like friend of God. And so we, you know, put that in. I don't really think of it very often when I just think of how we're described. But like, God likes being with us. And we like being with him. And, and, and we're good friends. We're not just like, I see you every 10 years of the reunion, friends. Or, or it's not like we used to be friends. 
we go from enemies of God to friends of God. We appreciate Him and want to see Him and want to hear from Him. So then, obviously, the question is, how is our faith? Is it alive or is it dead? And I want to make an important point right here that we all have faith in something. Sometimes people think that they're neutral. If you don't believe in Christianity, you're, you're neutral. No, you believe in something else. It's, a, it's very important to think about if I don't believe in God and Jesus, okay, what is it? What am I putting my trust in? Something. Biology. Science. Revenge. Urges. And you think about that, it's like, that, if that's true, who's my prophet? Who are my priests in, in my faith world of whatever thing I'm, I'm giving my life to? There's got to be somebody that tells me what to do about that or, or how to do it. And it could be me. A live faith that, that James is telling us says, I need help. I sin. I accept a Savior to save me. And I look to Jesus, not myself. He is my confession. He is my compassion. He is my comfort. And then we, we wrestle with this with each other as we gather together week after week because none of us do that perfectly in any sense. We wrestle with that at the table Our faith is moving us in joy and celebration and in fear and weeping. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It is mysterious. There are facts. I don't understand them all. because, Because God stooped this far, I can serve others. I can even be served by others. This is transformative. It's not non-action. It's not business as usual. Faith trusts and tries and walks in and pushes back darkness. Faith increases. It wonders. It asks. It eats. It works. I'll close with this. Um, maybe you've seen, there are variations on this theme, but J- Jimmy Fallon has a bit where he and another famous singer, maybe like Madonna or Cheryl Crow or somebody, they dress up and they don't look like themselves and they go busking in the New York subways, you know, so they start singing, right? And of course, they're really good. They're not like just... And so the people gather around, they're like, what in the world? And so they do that for a while and then they, you know, disclose who they are and everyone freaks out, you know, Lady Gaga, Whoa! That she, she sounded just like Lady Gaga. I thought so. So, a lot of us dress up, but it's also true. You may be alive with faith, and people don't know, or maybe you haven't realized it yet. In other words, uh, we are all, if we're Christians, wherever we're looking like, you know, We're princes and princesses, friends of God, 
not enemies of God, loved by Him. We're walking around, and we don't always see it in each other, but it can be true that that is in you, that you are heirs of the kingdom, inheritors of the promise, and the kingdom of God is ours. Amen? Amen.